Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Well, hello there, and uh, welcome to today's program. Um, Today is our last educators panel of uh, of this school year. As you know, we take the summer off on uh, collaborative problem solving at school. And, um, well, that means that the May Educators Panel is the last Educators Panel until September. And uh, this is only my opinion, but I think this has been a great year for the Educators Panel. We have uh, explored a variety of important issues related to schools and um Today's our last one. So I know that one of our... Now, we'll pick it up again in September. Don't worry. And, um, well, there are some very cool things that are going to be happening with this radio program next September. Obviously, we will be continuing with the educators panel. But, um, well, we're probably going to be starting with a new Anytown school, this time Anytown Elementary. And um, who knows where that school will come from? We'll find out. Um, I think I have a feeling I know. I'm also going to be interviewing next school year the uh, leaders and core group members from each of the uh, schools participating in this large collaborative problem-solving project going on in the state of Maine right now where 14 different schools are implementing the collaborative problem-solving approach, and um, they're all going to get on the air next year. So um, there will still be days on which we do Q&A, and I respond to some of your emails and uh, give you an opportunity to call in. But, uh, well, those programs are going to be fewer because we're adding a few things to the agenda here. But um, today on the agenda, of course, is the educators panel, and it remains to be seen what kind of a panel we're going to have today. Once again, I know that one of our panel members cannot join us, but I know that one of our panel members is on the air with us now. Hi, Nina. Hello. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. 
Good. And I know that uh, Tom won't be able to join us today. He had a meeting he could not extract himself from. Can you imagine him going to a meeting instead of participating in the educators panel? But I guess stranger things have happened. (laughs) Like, bizarre. And uh, I'm betting that I haven't heard that uh, Carol will not be able to join us, so we'll see if she joins in soon. But okay, um, let, let's uh, let's let's start with whatever you have on your mind today. I've got a few emails that we can respond to, but um, one of the things I was hoping we could talk about today is, you know, you're one of the schools that are in the project in Maine, and yep. um, one of the things that I was thinking we could talk about is where your school is at now, because you're one of these schools that's furthest along in implementing collaborative problem solving, and what kind of things you have in mind to hit the ground running for next school year. But before that, and before the emails that we could respond to, um, anything you wanted to cover today? Uh, Nothing that I could think of. I think that I would love to talk about where we're at and the process especially this year. I think it's definitely been a huge learning experience, and we've had some big successes and some little bumps along the way that we learned from as well. So it's just been a a big learning curve and also just such a wonderful experience for helping helping our most challenging students. Well, and if all you've had is little bumps, then uh, you're ahead of the game. Oh, um, good. (laughs) Give us a sense of uh, that evolution, if you would, and... Um, what bumps you had to overcome, and where you think you're at now, and where you think you want to start up again next school year. That's a that's a tall agenda, but we're all ears. Okay. Sure. Well, I think from starting from the beginning of this year, we were really because we had started last February, so last school year. So in the beginning of this year, we were really excited to start spreading um, CPS to you know to everybody in our school instead of the core group that was really excited and gung-ho, uh, and that's when we were able to have Kim came up and did some did a training for, for three hours after school where every staff member stayed after, which that just showed us a lot, too, that everybody stayed on their own time. They were that interested in, in hearing everything for themselves, I think, instead of just always hearing from us, um, from my principal, myself, and the team. So that's that's where we started, and I think that's where um, I, I thought everything would kind of just fall into place, and that's where we really found we had to do a, a lot more supporting even after that three-hour training where we really had to make a system for people to be able to access the team and also just the comfort levels of different staff members. You know, Some just weren't as comfortable doing Plan Bs without support. So kind of figuring that out, too, because I think everybody had to, on the team had a different idea of what it would look like supporting the rest of the staff members for some, you know, I think we've thought maybe it would just be us taking over the Plan B conversations or would it us be coaching. And definitely the most comfortable and the most successful was when we were just more coaches and people just, it was ready for everyone to kind of try it on their own. Um, and, and, able, and so, like for myself, I just, I liked kind of trying it out without somebody around when I first was learning. So there's other, other people that just wanted to just take off and try it on their own and, um, can report back to us. So I think that was just such a a big learning for me, too, just how to implement a brand-new philosophy and program into a school. It just changes. It's hard, and it's it's just 
you know, kind of easier when you first think about it, but it's a big process, and it really taught me about how to do, like, systematic changes. So I don't know if that answers the first part. <laughs> I, well, I think that a lot of schools that I come into contact with um, have a lot of faith that doing a rollout and having everybody read Lost at School yep. will will move them further than those things usually move people. Um, I would call a rollout and a, a study, a book study, reading Lost at School, a very good start. Yeah. But my bet is that you and I would probably agree on just a good start and that really yep. the most important pieces and the hardest parts are yet to come. But maybe you could talk yep. about that a little. Yeah, absolutely. And just even thinking back a few years ago, we did have a, a book study because um, you came to our district, I think it was even five years ago that you – it was when Boston School had first come out and you did um, – a one-day training for our district, so everybody was able to hear hear you speak and do that just that overview. And from there, a, a bunch of us did a book study. And, and again, it, it just kind of it helps the, the people that were already interested. I think so. It wasn't enough um, to, to really get things going and to really find out how to work the systems and really to just really question everyone's philosophy. Really kind of think deep about how we've been doing things and how we want to change things. So that, But it was a great start, and it really, uh, you know, instead of also I think it gave us the opportunity to, people took kind of what they wanted to, um, but we had to make sure this year that it wasn't just bits and pieces. You know, that's, I didn't want it to be just another kind of program that you take little parts that you like, but it to be a huge, a huge philosophical switch and, um, and that you know, that's harder than it's easy for the people that are already there, but it's harder for you know the others that are just farther from it. So that's what we really worked on this year, and I think we're in a really nice place right now where you can hear everyone's language has really changed, and and working with kids and what our expectations are. And my principal and I were just talking about you know, we have a pre-K program at our school, a public pre-K, but you know, it's not a requirement. We've often in the past, kids have come and just don't seem to be, in our eyes, we thought they weren't quite ready. So we would just talk to the families and, um, you know, not have them not come. And now we don't do that anymore. We try to make, try to work with the families and with the children and use problem solving to be a much more collaborative effort in starting these four-year-olds right off. And it's just, it's amazing to see the growth and, and the, I think the, re, the huge, reason that for the change is that the kids see that we are willing to do whatever we can do to, to problem solve and make it work for them. So it's been just that's a lot fabulous. of changes. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that was never our first instincts before. It was more, okay, this is not working. We're not fitting. You're not fitting in our program. So you just it's easy to say we wait a year and come back and then we'll figure out how to make it fit. So that's that's a really big change. Huge. And I and I know the families are so appreciative that we're not saying, you know, no, we're not ready for you, and next year we'll be ready. They, I think, you know, one one of our students has gone through about five or six preschools until they came to our school. So, well, that speaks to a um, comfort level in your building in not being 
petrified of kids who have special needs and kids who may have some mental health issues. Yes. And boy, what a what a wonderful development that is to have you all feel like you can and I don't want to go too far here, but feel like you can right. understand and handle practically and that's the key word, practically anything that comes your way. Yes. Do you think people yeah, feel I, that way? I do, I really do. I do think that people feel that way and um it's just such a shift because instead of trying to figure out how to get kids with mental illness and other huge challenges on getting them out, we just figure out what we can do to make the program work at our school because it makes such a big difference and it it's just it's what they need and what they deserve. And if they had, you know, kids with just with other other lagging skills and other areas of academics, you know, that's just, and everyone knows what to do when we have kids like that, but with the challenging behavior, I think this is, it's just changed how we approach um, the families and the children, and I do think that the staff, we've all really made a big switch. And is there, is it primarily the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that has um, helped people feel more comfortable or have you been is that is that instrument really what's done the trick i think that instrument really helps i also think it's done the trick that that it just you can see the change in the children and that it really makes a difference and once everyone feels more successful and sees that we're helping so many children you know just one child at a time in those those successes just make you want to keep on going and knowing you're doing the right thing. Um, I think that's the biggest. It's just such, it's everyone, the empathy part and being so much more empathetic towards these children and not blaming the families and makes you approach, approach the situations so much differently. I think it's a lot, it's the whole philosophy and it's the dedication of, of our staff. That's that's that's. I find that one of the biggest issues in a lot of schools is that a lot of school staff don't feel like they are confident in their ability to deal with mental health issues or behavioral issues. Yeah. And here in your building, we're not hearing that at all. No, not any. That reminds me of us. We had a child in the beginning year that was having extreme trouble and I remember a staff member just saying to me this that same that same thing, just saying they're not they're just not comfortable. They were so worried about how to handle um a child with such a severe seemingly mental illness or or you know, a lot of lagging skills and thinking about who can we call, who can we consult and I was able just to say say to her that well I just saw you with the child and you did everything that any consultant would tell you to do. You can you you can do this. You are not doing any, we're not, you can't do anything wrong. All the things that you're doing right now, all these things you're trying, it's working and you're building relationships that he's never had. And he is such a different kid right now. And I really believe it's because of that genuine relationship. And once he felt accepted and once he felt that all these adults wanted him to be at our school, he changed. And he's, you know, he's, it's just a joy to see him. Down the down the hall and watch all everybody celebrate together. Every 
little success he makes, like a, you know, just bringing the mail envelope down the hall, like a regular role that a lot of our children do, and to see him do that with a smile, it just, it's, that's what keeps everyone going. That's fantastic. So, so where yeah. so that that sounds like where you're at now. Do you still have staff who are not as on board as you'd like them to be? Yeah, I think you know. I think that we still have you have people that have different ideas and different philosophies, but we're at a point where community where you can really talk about it together. That's I think it took a while to get to that point, but now that we're at a point that we can all just talk and figure out what's best for our school as a whole staff. We're just at a much more open place to communicate, and I think that what I saw that could have happened that that would have been disastrous is that if you are in a school where you feel like there's two sides and there's this is the CPS side and this is the non-CPS side, I think that can be so dangerous. And once we saw that that could be a possibility, just really opening up conversation and making sure that everybody feels comfortable just expressing themselves and working it out and having Plan B conversations among each other. That that was really powerful. Wow. Whether you don't want it, I mean, I can, I can easily see that happening, and you don't want to feel like you're defending two sides to something. And but we don't, and you you know even we can all slip back, and I and I even parts members of the team we can come to each other and say like, do you really think this child can control this, or you know, can she really do do well? So it's just it's just about communicating and feeling safe and trusting each other as a staff too. Fabulous. Yeah. And what what um what what do you think next year holds? I often say to people that um it takes one year of really hitting it hard to make giant strides and then another year or two to solidify. Yeah. Um you guys really hit it hard this year. And part of last. Yeah. Um, are you in solidification mode these days, and what's that look like? Yes, I think that we really need to make sure that we keep meeting as a team. You know, I think that could be that could be such an issue if we stop. You know, now that we don't have Kim training us every week, you're just still really dedicating our time in making sure that we meet and keep reminding everyone of the systems in place and because um, that. That could get easily, you know, kind of off the table if you, if people are feeling like they are too overwhelmed or have too much to do. But I just really want to keep on making sure that those meetings are in place. And once we have those in place, I, I think that it can really keep going and supporting each other and bringing cases cases to the table and uh, watching each other doing Plan B, making time for Plan B conversations. Because I know that's the first thing that goes to when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I find myself too much in emergency plan B, I know it's time to that that's always what's missing is that we're not doing enough scheduled plan B, so keeping those systems in place and making sure we start off the school year that way right away, I think that'll make a big difference. You had some visitors from Sweden last week, yes, it was so exciting. How did that go? It My was friend great. It was, Sven yeah. and Gunnar from. Jote Bore, Sweden, came over to um, look at schools doing collaborative problem solving, and yours was one of the ones they visited. How'd it go? It went very well. It was it was really just so fun to sit and talk to them, and 
um, you know, hear what they're doing and just be able to explain the process of what we've done here and kind of talk a little bit about the differences and give them a tour of our, our little school. And, you know, now we just want to go to Sweden to visit them. So that's next, <laughs> next on our list. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. So I appreciate you sending them our way. Did they seem um, anything in particular that they seemed struck by in terms of what's going on in your building? I think they, they were struck, I think, by the dedication of time. I think they mm-hmm. they thought that was um, – it seemed to me they thought that was really nice that we were able to meet so much. I think that they found – they haven't found that people dedicate that much, like, after-school time and time to meet with kids. So I think they were struck by that. And then also just the similarities, a lot of things that we say, they go, oh, that's the same, um, you know, kind of what experience they've had. So it was it was just a really positive experience, and we were obviously there are, so knowledgeable. There are other schools in the project who are not having such an easy go of the time issue. Yes. Um, maybe you could talk about that a little bit, about how you all did it, because um, that's, I always say, the four-letter word in a lot of buildings. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't feel like they have the time to do CPS, and I'm always saying you got to put in the time to save it, and ultimately you will save it. But um, how'd y'all do that? Well, we worked it into you know our student assistance team that we've already have established, so that's just something that we always have had, and that um, everyone's really been dedicated to. Uh, so we we worked CPS primarily into our student assistance team which always met for an hour a week. So that was really helpful. And then keeping that, that Tuesday after school CPS time, I, you know, we just so enjoyed it. We enjoyed being together. We enjoyed talking about our learning and, of course, enjoyed with, when the training was happening with Kim. So it wasn't that part wasn't a problem ever. I think the biggest hurdle is just making sure you have time during the day to do the Plan B with children. And that it helped a lot to have we have a, a a substitute teacher that comes every Tuesday. So that once we started that, we were able to really schedule time. And once we figured out that system, too, that we put up like a Google Docs where everyone could sign up and you didn't have to go through three people to ask, you know, can you can you relieve me on lunch duty so I can meet with your student? It was just a lot easier to make those arrangements and, and started to be more smoother that way. I think, think that is – Sorry, go ahead. No, I just – I think the plan B either what – if you don't schedule them, and I know that's what you always say, if you just say, I'll get to it when I get to it, you don't get to it. So you have to write it down and you know, tell somebody that you're committing to it, and then and then you end up, you of course, you do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think, what do you think the mentality is in your building at this point? Are people feeling that the time required by collaborative problem solving is oppressive and unreasonable, or are people feeling like collaborative problem solving is saving time? Where where are you all on that? I think that people think it's saving time. I think that, um, you know, they can they see the benefit, especially when we're making a lot of efforts, such as having the, the um, substitute teacher come in and um, just asking them to devote just a few minutes of their team meeting. They meet as a grade level meeting. And you know, and just having saving time when you're having team meetings or our SAT meetings instead of spending a lot of time talking about things that aren't helpful, I think they can see that those have been streamlined, so you save time that way that way as well. 
uh, you know, there's some weeks I think where if, if you're, things start to get crazy busy, then you can say that that's harder to fit things in, but you always go back to reminding yourself that you're going to be saving time in the end and and watching such growth in, in children. So, yeah, I think it's, again, it's about openly talking and communicating and it depends sometimes on the time of the school year. I think some times are tougher than others like, as well. So, If you had to name the biggest hurdle you all had to get over yeah. to get this ball rolling, would time be it or would it be something else? Um, yeah, I don't think it would have been time. I think just going back to what I was saying before, that the biggest hurdle was realizing that it took a lot of open communication and really encouraging people to say what they're thinking and, and not turn into a trying to a defensive mode and just just really talking. I think that was it took a little bit to get to that point. And did you all have to work on that or or were you just a naturally an, a building that was naturally communicating well? Um I think you know, we always communicated well, but I think it took it it took us to really have a staff meeting where we opened it up instead of us always trying to train everybody else to realize that okay now it was time for for us to just all kind of talk about concerns and and not not feel like we were just 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 training them and saying well no we wouldn't do it that way because but to really hear all of their their concerns as a group and then to be able to um, you know really answer questions and try to solve some of the problems that way so but I think time you know, organizing organizing the um, systems is also was a, it was a hurdle, especially we feel like in our building we don't have a lot of extra staff members and a lot of extra people to watch classes. So that I think just people, not not necessarily even time, but just having extra people around to be able to cover cover classes. Or um, you know, my my principal and myself, we just we were really it with four hundred and just. 70 kids, so we just need to make sure that we schedule time for Plan B conversations as well so we don't find ourselves always just uh, running around doing other things. So I think, you know, people too, that's 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 a hurdle at our school because we feel pretty understaffed in a lot of ways. I think that um, that is a shared sentiment in almost every school I'm in these days. Yeah. Um, the, the, the budget cuts have been massive. Yep. And maybe you all were feeling that even before um, budget cuts in your state, but um, I don't know if I know of any, I don't think I've encountered any school system in the last two or three years that isn't um, stretched way too thin in every building. Absolutely. Yeah, and that just that puts another level of stress and lots of things to, to balance. And yet you all have done this, right in an area of, in a time of significant budget cuts, which is right. rather phenomenal. It's not just the stress of implementing collaborative problem solving in your building. It's the stress of all of the cuts that have been going on in your state and every other one. Yep. Well, it's such a great answer to help, you know, giving, <laughs> giving a whole staff tools that 
that are just free. I mean, you have all your information just is on the website. There's nothing hidden. It just takes practice and dedication, but it's a, a something that once you really internalize it, you can apply and and help these children where you might not necessarily have programs or staff to you know to be dedicated just to children with emotional problems. Like you know, our school, we are the, the teachers are. Really, they're right there with these kids all day, and um, this is a tool that is immediately useful. You know, it's something that they want to do because they want to help these children. They are so connected to these kids, and they're so empathetic, and it's it's a way to help, which is, you know, everybody wants. Have any staff quit because of collaborative problem solving? Quit? No. Quit? Left? Quit? No. No, not at all. No, Are our, there kids I think our, who, well, go ahead, sorry. No, I think that it just needs people so much. Just the empathy is huge. There's so much, so much empathy for our kids, especially the kids with challenging behaviors. Are there kids who you are quite certain would have been placed out of your building? pre-collaborative problem-solving who you feel you've been able to keep mm-hmm. because people are now implementing it? Yes, I, I definitely do, especially, you know, as I said, those younger kids are, you can, you don't even have to do anything. You know, it's, they, we would have, the first couple of weeks of school, told these parents that they weren't ready, um, and then that would have meant that they probably would have had a, you know, a different placement. And, and I definitely have kids that are so successful now that before we would have been putting all our energy into kind of proving that this isn't working. And that's not to say that you know, we do have kids that it, you, we, we're also not in a state where we would never say that this isn't working because we don't have, that's right. you know, we don't have um, a self-contained classroom or anything here. So, but I think that also comforts. People at our staff may know that we're not. We wouldn't just say that everyone has to stay here because for the sake of that, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit, it wouldn't fit. But we, we for sure have children that that would have been out of district a long time ago, and that are successful. Incredible. Yeah, I think so. Um, when when you look back. I mean, uh, you're probably running on fumes at this point in the school year because it's um, <laughs> early May, and uh, yes. who isn't running on fumes at this point in the school year? But um, when you look back, it's really quite something, isn't it? It really is. It's, we always say that it's hard to even the beginning of the school year seems like a so long ago. It feels like it was a different year, but it's been it's been a, quite a journey, and we've all learned so much. And I think we're even a tighter staff and just willing to really um, talk to each other and figure these things out in, tr- in the sense of trust and relationship that we've built that I think spills on to how we're helping children. And the cool part is that the governor has expressed interest in visiting your school. I don't know if that's going to happen this school year, but okay. um, that's pretty cool. Um, that is very cool. To have a governor be interested in what you've done in your building with collaborative problem solving. If you had, I know you've talked about this a little already, if you had advice for 
a building that is struggling with it or just getting going. Um, any pearls of wisdom? Hmm. Well, I think you definitely just keep don't give up on meeting as a team. You know, meeting with that core team where I get so much energy from from those from those team members, and we can really challenge each other and, and talk to each other. So I think that's that's a really important thing. Um, again, I just making sure that you're really listening to everybody's concerns. I think if if people start to feel like they're getting you know that we're that you're ignoring what they're and they've always felt like that's worked and things that they're really knowledgeable about I think that that gets dangerous um as well, so just doing what we're you know what what collaborative problem solving is all about and doing that with staff as well that being empathetic and listening and um and it takes time it's not going to happen overnight, and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of practice i think to giving people staff that that opportunity and the courage to to try it, and that sitting in a room, even if it means just trying it by yourself with the Plan B cheat sheet, that that's that you can't do anything wrong. I've, we've had times where um, staff has come and say, "Well, I don't know if we solved anything in that half hour." We just keep saying that listening to a child for a half hour and giving empathy for a half hour cannot cannot be a waste of time. So that that's that's important too because no one's going to be good at it right away and it does take a lot of practice and and using that Plan B cheat sheet I think is really important. We laminated that right away and gave that to everybody. So it's kind of good. scattered advice, but those are a few things. Um, and just I I know you're a principal, so I think I know the answer to this question. Um, did your principal say to everybody? You must do this, um, and sort of draw a line in the sand and say, almost from the get-go, we are going to do collaborative problem solving from now on. Uh, or was her approach different than that? It was different. I think you know she. It we did all the training, we did all the talking, and it was definitely not overnight. Here, this is what you're doing. This year, I think when we started really trying to um, you know, document kind of what we do here, we've been able to work work that into you know, our philosophy as a school. But it that took a lot of time too. I think if she had said that on the first, you know, this is what we're doing. We had a couple people go to a training. This is our new philosophy. That that would have been a huge setback. That it, it took a it took a while, but there's a, there's a time when you say this is what we do, but also to say. This is how we can help you, and this is what will happen when you send a child to the office or you know, to the to me or to the office. This is what's going to happen, and um, I think that made people feel comfortable too when we were able to really document it and spell it out and explain. And also, there there can be so many misconceptions um, of you know things like, well, I didn't think I could send kids to the office anymore, or I didn't think that I could call you to come help me if a child's being disruptive. So those are so important to clear clear up, and once we kind of wrote those all out too, like of course you call the principal if you're if you're having trouble or if a child's being disruptive, but just just know that when that happens, that the principal will be doing collaborative problem solving, mm. and this is what that looks like. So I think that was helpful to spell out because we did go through a time when people felt like they couldn't really, you know, get help when they needed it. 
So you, you run into things that you never thought you'd run into, which is why it's keeping, you know, talking and, and devoting the time and not expecting this to happen overnight is so important. And in an era of um, continuously shifting priorities and demands and asking so much of people who work in education settings, why do this? Why is this important? Why make this a priority? Well, because until you really can address the, the needs of you know, the emotional needs of children and, and to help with the challenging behavior, we can't move on to all the other really important things that are happening and that our children need to be taught. Um, and, and teachers and staff staff members they want they want help with this because. Um, you know, kids are coming in with a lot of challenges at a very young age, and they everyone wants an approach, and our old approach isn't working. I mean, I know every time I fall back into some of my old tricks, it just it backfires right away, and you know, kind of it's so easy to to do. And um, you know, if you're feeling under the gun or feeling like you need to take care of something right away, you think maybe if you you use some sort of incentive or some or a punishment right there, but it you know, for with challenging kids it just it backfires so quickly. So we need something that works. We need something to help, especially with in budget crisis and when we don't have staff and we don't have a lot of resources right now. This is this is such a wonderful approach to that you can see so many results. So But why not put our energy into the kids, and I'm going to use a cliche here, mm-hmm. who are there to learn, why not, why put so much energy into the ones who are impeding the learning of others? Why not just put your energy into the ones who are ready to learn? Yeah. Well, I think that CPS helps every child, even the kids, the kids that are ready to learn, they all they they need this approach as well, and they need this empathy and trying to figure out what what liking skill what's happening and what the unsolved problems are. So it, it just helps everybody in the classroom. And also, when you have a child that has challenging behavior, they deserve they deserve to be in that classroom too, and they deserve to be um, feeling the joys of school and learning and um, making friends and. You know, gaining skills. It also gives the other kids so much empathy. I mean, we have we have countless, I mean, examples of kids that have had some extreme, challenging behavior, and it's amazing to see the empathy of the other students. And you know, I know for my own, I have four, three of the four of my children go to school here, and I love hearing them talk about what kids needs and mm. um, you know what the how they problem solve today or. Um, it, you know, I think I've said this before, but my my first grader who's in the classroom with a student, that part of the plan is to be able to build with different toys, you know, while he's in um, in class. And for my little boy who's obsessed with Legos and other things, I thought that would, if anyone would have a problem, I thought that would be him. But he he came home that first day and just said, well, he he needs some extra Legos during the day because he needs to learn how to be in school right now. So it's so much easier for the kids. I think to understand and to be empathetic than sometimes the adults. So, yeah, I'm just I. It helps it helps them all and it forms a huge community. And even watching some of our masters um, 
at CPS be able to do problem solving with a whole group. You know, if you oh, you had I noticed that you were having trouble at recess today. What's going on? And you, it's just a, it's a shift. It's a language shift. It's how you you start to think differently. So it helps. It helps everybody. Um, I'm I'm blown away by what a great job you all have done. And of course, if people want to see more about your school in particular. Uh, they just need to go to the Lives in the Balance website because the video that we shot, that's the yeah. mini-documentary, as we're calling it, Main Reports, um, which they can find on the homepage. Um, on the right-hand side, there's a link. Um, that's a video that uh, is all about your school and how you all have done it. Um, not that you're the only school in Maine doing it. Truth is, there's going to be yeah. other video up about uh, some schools that are not too far from you that are um, doing something similar. And the really cool thing about the project is that um, collaborative problem solving is being done throughout the state of Maine because the project required that um, schools be geographically distributed throughout the state. The website that um, we have been thinking was going to be launched for anywhere uh, for the last six to eight months is very close now, oh, good. and oh, each neat. school is going to have its own page. This program will be posted on that website on your page oh, um, so that people from all over Maine and all over North America and all over the world can read about how your school and others have done it, what hurdle, how you did it, how you, how you started it. Um, what hurdles you encountered, what, how you overcame them. And um, uh, it's really cool that your school has been so uh, open to new ideas. And um, I know that you and uh, your principal have been the driving forces there. And it's really quite an accomplishment. Well, we appreciate everything you've done. And just it's just been such a pleasure and a joy and uh, for our new learning and to apply something that – make such a difference. Well, um, let's call it a day for our educators panel. We're going to end a few minutes early here, but there was an email that I thought we could talk about, but I think we at this point don't have enough time to do it. So uh, obviously I knew Tom wasn't going to join us. I guess Carol had a conflict come up, but uh, this has been great to be able to spend the entire program with just you. I guess you're going to be the first school that we're going to have a program posted uh, on that new website. And um, thank you for being part of the educators panel this year as well. This has been a uh, fun panel, and I think we're going to keep the crew together next year if everybody's willing and able. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. And, of course, um, I'm hoping that you all will be seeing more of me because I'm moving to Maine in about a month and a half, and so – all because there's so much collaborative problem-solving going on in Maine. I I hate to miss it all and want to be even closer to it. So lives in the balance, and I will be uh, residents of Maine uh, by next school year, and uh, that's very exciting, too. Very exciting, yes. We are expecting to see you much more. That is so exciting. I have every intention of making sure that that happens. Oh, good. Great. So, Nina, thanks again for being part of the panel this year. And to our listeners, this is our last educators panel of the year. Um, We have a very exciting program tomorrow on um, the parent program. 
Uh, Robin Peters Bennett, who I'm looking up the organization now because I am perpetually forgetting the name of it, but this is something that people, whether you work in an education setting or not, will definitely want to listen up on. She's with the U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children, and she will be my guest on the parent program tomorrow, Parenting Your Your Challenging Child, and so that's extremely exciting as well. Not only that, about once a month next year, I'm going to be doing an Issues in Children's Mental Health radio program, um, and it'll be separate from the uh, Collaborative Problem Solving at School and separate from Parenting Your Challenging Child. It'll be an entirely new program, and we will be having people like Robin on the program so that lots of people know what's going on out there and that we actually are making progress in understanding and helping behaviorally challenging kids even better. So, Nina, thanks for your role in that, and um, we're going to call it a day for today's program. Thank you. You bet. I will be back next week with our last edition of Anytown High School. Make sure you don't miss that. Talk to you then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.